Good morning. Welcome. Will you stand with us? If you're happy and you know it, say amen. Amen. Okay, you're awake. Let's sing this morning. <clears throat> Hey, if that didn't bring the hype, I don't know what will. Amen? How's everyone doing today? Doing good? Give me a thumbs up if the weekend's going pretty decent so far. Great. Well, it's about to get better because we're all here together at Kavanaugh Church this morning. It's so great to see you guys. We've been praying for y'all this week. I just said y'all. This northern boy just said y'all. We've been praying for you guys this week. And uh, that God's going to do something awesome. And we're just all going to be touched in an awesome way by him today. So it's great to see you guys. 
If you're a first-time guest, thank you so much for joining us here at this place that we call home. Uh, we love it here, and we want to tell you all about it. So there's a Connect card in the chair back in front of you. If you could, fill that out, and then after service, there is a Connect table in the back, uh, in, the, in the lobby outside these back doors. Uh, go there, take your Connect card, and we got a gift for you, Chick-fil-A gift card, which, by the way, is like shutting down like a month in Fort Smith. I know. Secrets. Anyways, remodel. Anyways, we got a Chick-fil-A gift card for you there, um, and, and, and we want to be able to answer your questions about our church, how you and your family could plug in, and uh, what's going on here during the week, okay? But we're excited for today, and we know that God has something really special for us, but before we get there, and before we do all that, I'm going to invite you all to stand. We're going to ask God's anointing on the rest of our services today. Great to see you guys. Let's pray with one another. Lord, thank you so much for bringing us back to this place, God. Lord, thank you for meeting us here. And Lord, um, as we just sung, we want to be souls passionately in pursuit for you. We want to be on fire for you, God. So Lord, as your people today, um, ignite that for us. Help us to be the people that you want us to be. Lord, we love our pastor in the time that you had with him this past week, God. Uh, the sermon's awesome, and you really did something incredible first service. I know that you'll just simply do it again. So, Lord, ready our hearts, steady our hearts, and help us to be listening, because you are going to be speaking to us today, God. So, whether it's in here, back in our children's area, or any other place here on campus today, God, I pray that your spirit moves amongst your people, and you change us for the better. We love you so much in your name. Amen. Greet those around you, and we'll get started in a couple moments.
About a month ago, I had a uh, dream. And I know that Brother Will has spoken about dreams recently. And uh, I believe that God can speak to us through dreams. And uh, in my dream, I was in a Dollar General store. <laughs> and uh, I know that uh, most of you have probably been in one of those. And uh, if you remember, most of them have a long aisle that runs kind of down the off center of the store, just all the way to the back. Well, I was in the back of the store. Uh, I had my shopping cart and I was facing to the front of the store. And I, I looked up and I saw a storage bin. And I don't know why that came, why I was shopping for that. Maybe, maybe it was because of one of Will's stories or maybe the Nichols boys building the racks for the uh, storage bins, but there's, there it was, and I, I thought I had to have it. So uh, I reached up high over my head to, uh, to get it down, and uh, when I did, I bumped into my shopping cart, and it made the cart go towards the front of the store, and it had one of those wobbly wheels, and it was squeaking, and it was all over the place, and it was moving pretty fast, and it sideswiped another cart and it just continued on to the front of the store. Well, up by the checkout register, there was a bench and there was a lady there that was in the middle of sitting down on that bench. And uh, just about the time she got seated, my shopping cart rolled right past her. And she's looking around wondering where that cart came from. And uh, I'm back there, I'm, I'm got my arms folded over my head, ready for a crash. Well, it didn't crash, but it rolled on past her and it kind of made a little curl and stopped right there past the uh, uh, checkout counter. Well, She's still looking around trying to figure out where that cart came from. And then she spotted me way back at the back. And our eyes locked and she knew, she knew it was mine. But I went ahead and owned it. I said, that's mine, that's mine. And uh, we both kind of had a little laugh about it. Well, this week, marks the four-year anniversary of my accident that put me in this chair. And uh, you might be asking, well, how does that silly little dream speak to me about anything, really? For four years, I've been unable to reach any higher than this. So reaching high over my head has not been uh, something I've been able to do. Walking behind a shopping cart, pushing a shopping cart, I've not been able to do that. 
To me, God's telling me, don't give up hope. Trust in me. Your miracle is still coming. I believe that. We believe that. God's grace is sufficient to meet all our needs. Please sing with us as we sing about God's amazing grace.
Lord God, I thank you this morning. Thank you for your amazing grace. Lord, I pray that you'll be with us in this service this morning. Lord, let your spirit flow in and out of these seats. Lord, make your presence felt in the hearts of everyone here. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here that needs to find you today as their Savior, Lord, let this be the day. Lord, we love you and thank you so much for all you've blessed us with. Lord, thank you for your, your glory and the power that you possess. Lord, I ask these names in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. 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 I usually have you uh, clap for the band. We're not going to do that today. We're going to clap for King Jesus. Would you do that? I mean, he is worthy. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our praise. I'm doing this series on big promises from a big God, and today we're going to talk about probably the biggest promise of all, and here's God's promise to you. No matter what you've done, he will forgive you today. God's promise is forgiveness. Amen? But along with that forgiveness, he wants you to be willing to forgive others. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to understand this truth today and live by it. Jesus, forgive us. Forgive us our trespasses if we have, as we have trespassed against you. And dear Lord, help us to forgive others who have sinned against us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, there are certain people from, from history, from the past, that I would love just to spend maybe an hour or two with, or, or perhaps an entire afternoon. I'm going to throw up a picture on the screen here of a guy that I would love to spend the day with. Uh, he was the pastor of the Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. He pastored that church for 44 years. Before he became the senior pastor, he was the assistant pastor. The, the pastor was a guy by the name of Brother Williams who had a beautiful daughter, Alberta, and he fell in love with her and married her, and then he became the pastor. They loved their preacher. They gave him a nickname, Daddy King, Daddy King. In his 84 years, he endured more than his share of suffering and hatred. During his childhood in Georgia, he saw many lynchings. One day, his mama gave him a pail of milk and said, take it down the street to a family that was sick. And so as he was walking down the street, a white man stopped him, emptied his can, kicked the can, and then beat this little boy up. Later on, when he became an adult, he moved to Atlanta and 
when he tried to register to vote, he discovered that the register's office was on the second floor of City Hall. But the elevator was marked whites only, the stairwell was closed, and the elevator for blacks was out of order. (laughs) Even though he pastored Ebenezer for 44 years and was a great man of God, he is mostly remembered by the accomplishments of his son, Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., leader of the nonviolent civil rights movement. Jr. was cut down by a bullet by an assassin in 1968. But that was not the end of the pain and suffering for Dr. Martin Luther King, Sr. During a church service in 1974 at the Ebenezer Baptist Church, a man came in, sat on the fourth row back across from the organ, And at the end of the service, when Dr. King's wife, Alberta, who was the choir director and the organist, was playing the Lord's Prayer, he stood up and said, I'm taking over. And with a pistol, he shot Sister King, killed her, shot two other church members. He went there that day with the intentions of shooting Dr. King Sr. But Dr. King was at a different church preaching, and so instead of shooting him, he shot Sister King. Near the end of Senior's life, Daddy King spoke about the policy of nonviolence that he had come to embrace. We we all say that it was Junior who pushed that, but he, he got it from his daddy. And here's what Dr. King Senior said. Listen, listen to his words. He says, There are two men that I'm supposed to hate. One's a white man, he killed my son. The other's a black man, he murdered my wife. Both are serving time for having committed murder, but I don't hate either one of them. Listen to this, he said, there's no time for that and no reason for it either. Nothing that a man does takes him lower than when he allows himself to fall so low as to hate anyone. But you tell me, how can a man not hate when his wife and eldest son have been murdered? I mean, it it only seems natural to me and even proper to hate killers, to hate murderers, especially if they have killed somebody in my family. But the answer comes back from Daddy King. There's no time for that. You see, to hate is to live in the past, to dwell on deeds already done. Hatred is the most damaging emotion, for it gives the person that you hate a double victory, once in the past and once in the present. No time to hate, not if you've learned how to forgive. Forgiving does not mean whitewashing the past. It does mean that you refuse to live in the past. Forgiveness breaks the chain of bitterness and the insidious desire for revenge. As costly as it is to forgive, my friends, unforgiveness costs us a whole lot more. So I'm in this series, Big Promises from a Big God, and so far we've looked at some mighty big promises from the the Lord. Today we're going to look at the biggest one. That is, you can forgive. This is God's answer to resentment. 
And you know, I could have preached from a dozen different passages because this was a theme or a motif of Jesus in his teaching and his preaching and his parable telling. He told us over and over again, as God has forgiven us, so are we to forgive others. Remember that story he told of, of this, this king who had a, a servant who owed a great debt, and the servant came and he begged the king to forgive him, and even though the debt was great, the king forgave the man? And then what did that man do? He went out and found a, a fellow servant, someone his equal, who owed him a little debt, and he had that guy thrown in prison until the debt could be paid. When the king found out about it, he was a little irritated with this servant, and so he arrested him, threw him in prison, and said, you're going to have to pay back everything you owe me. What was the point of that parable? God has forgiven us a great deal. God has forgiven you more than you can repay him. So, brother, you better be forgiving others. Remember the little formula we talked about a couple of weeks ago? Somebody asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive a brother who's done wrong against me? And Jesus said, 70 times 7? A couple of weeks ago I talked about that. Remember, I said 409, 409, 409. I said it three or four times. After service, Angie got on to me. She said, four, you kept saying 409. 70 times 7 is not 409, it's 490. I said, I know it's 490. I didn't say 409. She said, oh, yes, you did. Not just in one service. She said, you said it in both services. Anybody remember that? Oh, more of you in this service did than second, first service. Y'all were pulling out your calculators making sure. The, the point Jesus is making is you can't run out of forgiveness. So again, it was a theme of Jesus preaching on forgiveness. I could have used many of his passages, but I'm not. I'm going to use Ephesians chapter Four. It's just four verses that I'm going to read, and, and what we're going to do is exegete these verses, look at them one at a time, sometimes even the words that are within the verse. So are you ready? I don't know where my ameners are, but I need you today. I need, let, let's say amen on three. One, two, three. Okay, you can do it. Good, good. Keep doing it. Here's what Paul said, Ephesians 4, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Thank you, Jesus, for the forgiveness. May I learn how to forgive others. So let's look at these four verses and exegete them. The, the first is the command. It comes in verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That's out of a modern translation. I'm going to go back and read that verse out of the King James, the, the old translation. Here's what it says. Let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace 
to the hearers. So what the modern translators translate as unwholesome talk, the old King James translates as corrupt communication. The underlying Greek word means rotten. It was used for decaying flesh or rotten fish. The meaning is this, don't let any putrid words come out of your mouths. If we were talking street lingo, we would put it this way, no trash talking. Yeah, it got me to thinking, what, what is trash talking? What, what is rotten speech? What is corrupt communication? So I, I made a list, and I just feel necessary to share this list with you. Because look at me, as Christians, as a believer in Jesus Christ, as born again, as a part of the family of God, if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, this stuff should not spew out of your mouth. And what am I talking about? Well, number one, vulgarity, obscenity, indecent language. When I was growing up, we called it cussing. You don't cuss. And let me tell you, the house I was raised in, if my sister and I said a cuss word, we got our mouths washed out with soap. My sister heard a word on the bus, and she came home and told me. I thought it sounded like a cool word, so I was running up and down the hall saying that word. I was just shouting it out, saying that word. Mom, you remember this? I was just, you may not remember, but boy, I sure do. She grabbed me by the nap of the neck, and she started, she started doing this to me all the way down the hall. She was beating the fire out of me. She's saying, where'd you hear that word? Where'd you hear that word? Who taught you that word? And I was crying. I said, Sharita did. Sharita did. Beat Sharita. Sharita's my sister. I mean, it, was one of, it was one of the bad words. It means a nasty word. Back in my day growing up, you, if you said that word, boy, I'm telling you what, you were way out there, and you only said it around certain people. It was not a common word. You just went around saying, but it has become commonplace today, my friend. I am appalled at how many times I hear this bomb word every single day. The other night, I was watching TV, and I, I, I hear, Jason, here's what I do. I sit in my chair, and I just flip through the channels. It drives Angie crazy. She says, push the menu button and read what the shows are. I can't do that. i got to flip through. I flipped through four straight channels, and the first word I heard out of people's mouths on all four of those stations was this bomb word. And I said, what has our world come to? And I just turned off the cotton-picking TV. It's everywhere. You hear it every single day. It's cuss words. My friend is a believer. That should not come out of your mouth. But it's cool to say it. I'm, I'm sounding like an old fuddy-dud preacher right now, aren't I? I told Angie a couple of weeks ago, I said, this word has become so commonplace. We are about to start hearing this word in churches and seeing it in Christian publications. And here's the appalling fact, I have, I have. How many sailors do we have in here? Good, I don't see any hands. You know what I'm talking about. It's a cussing like a sailor. You shouldn't. Friend, I say it with all the love in my heart, if you are a born-again believer, that kind of trash should not be coming out of your mouth. Why? Because it's world talk, and you are not of this world. 
So stop talking like the world. What qualifies as rotten speech? Number two, racial or ethnic insults. If you're a Christian, don't do that. Abrasive humor, harsh words, mean-spirited comments, gossip, rumors, false accusations, public criticism of your spouse and children. My lens, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you should never, ever, ever say anything bad about your spouse or your kids in public. Yelling and screaming. You're saying you're doing it. Exaggerating the faults of others and excusing unkind words by saying, oh, I was just joking. No, you weren't. Why is this so important? Well, it's important because of what Proverbs 18.21 says. The tongue has the power of life and death. Every time you open your mouth, either life or death is spewing out. The Bible speaks of the throat as being an open grave or an open sepulcher. When there is death on the inside of you, that death is going to come out through your words. But Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 offers a Christian alternative. We don't have to talk like the world because we're not of the world. So what is this alternative? Number one, we are to speak good words that build up instead of tearing down. And you know what that is? Look at me. That is a mindset. That's the way we look at other people, think about other people, talk about other people. So when I talk to you, I'm not meaning to tear you down. What I'm wanting to do is build you up. You're going to have to change your thinking that changes your speaking. Secondly, we are to speak words that minister grace to those who hear them. Here is the big teaching of this verse put very simply. Every word, every word that comes out of your mouth should be all good, all grace, all the time. Everything you say should be good. It should be God's grace, and it needs to be coming out of your mouth all the time. That's hard to do. Come on, help me out, isn't it? Sure it is. It's not the way we're trained. The world doesn't do it. It's hard for us. So we need to be reminded sometimes by people close to us. We need to be reminded of this from our friends. Hopefully that's what I'm doing right now is your friend. I'm reminding you of this. I read the story of, of Gordon McDonald. He was a young, young pastor over in Japan. He was walking down the, the streets of, of Yokohama one day with an older pastor. And as they walked and talked, he made, this young preacher made a sarcastic comment about a friend of theirs. And the older pastor stopped in his tracks and he turned and he looked at at, uh, Gordon right in the face and he said, a man who truly loves God would not talk about a friend like that. And Gordon said, "It, it was like somebody took a knife and just thrust it into my chest, right into my heart. He said, the pain was so great, I didn't know how to respond. But he said, thank God that through the years that pain was so great it kept reminding me tens of thousands of times when I was tempted to say something ill towards a family member or a friend or a colleague or another person I would remember the words of this pastor a man who truly loves God wouldn't talk about a friend like that 
You know what? We all have excuses for what we say, don't we? Oh, I was tired. (laughs) Or I was provoked. I really wasn't thinking when I said it. I didn't really mean it. Or it was true, so I just went ahead and said it. On and on we go. Trying to, listen to me, we're trying to justify our verbal diarrhea. And you're appalled that I said that word. I'll say it again, diarrhea. Because let me tell you, that is exactly what Paul is describing here. It is rotten flesh. Rotten to the core. It's inside of us, and that rottenness is just spewing its way out. Our excuses don't excuse us at all for talking this way. So what, God, what is God saying to us in, in this first verse? He's saying this, no more stinking speech. No more. Stop it. Number two, the consequence of that. Paul, Paul mentions really the, the sad consequence of our unkind words in verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Did did you know that you can grieve the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you? You can only grieve a close friend or a loved one. Do you know that? You you can't grieve a stranger you meet on the street. You can irritate a stranger. You can offend a casual acquaintance. But you can only grieve someone who is close to you. Paul's advice is both practical and profound. We tend to talk a whole lot about interpersonal problems as if the greatest issue in life is our relationship one with another. And even though that is great, the most important relationship is between you and God. Verse 30 reminds us that our primary relationship is vertical, is with God. You can make the Spirit of God weep inside of you by your thoughtless words. And here is the reason why. The Holy Spirit of God not only lives inside of you, the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of the Christian brother or sister that you have just slandered. Evil speech destroys Christian unity. D.L. Moody, the great preacher, once said, that he had never known of God to bless a church where God's people were divided. And let me say a big amen to that. God doesn't bless our messes. God doesn't bless it when we're at odds with one another. I've told you this story before, at least bits and pieces of it. Let me me tell you again because it's a good story that fits right here. I was young in ministry, just finished seminary, got my first... It was really my second church, but it was my first full-time church. It was a big church. It was a big deal. I got there, and I realized I was in way over my head, man. I was just in my, my mid-20s, and I, I, I didn't know nearly as much as I thought I knew. I was there about a, maybe six months, a year, went to a big church growth conference. And the whole conference was about, about loving God and loving people. And if you build the love of God within your fellowship, you would take that love outside the walls of your church and you would love your community in such a way that they would want to be a part of this family of love. 
It made sense to me because that's really the presentation of the gospel, is it not? And so they had, they had already put together these lessons. It was a packet deal. You could buy it and teach it in your church. So I bought it. Brought it home. It was good, man. I read through it. Growing Together in Love was the name of it. I thought, man, this is so good. I need to preach this on Sunday mornings. But, you know, it was more teaching than preaching. So I decided I was going to do it on Sunday nights. Man, I built it up for a month. I, I, I publicized this. I talked it up. said, this is going to be the best thing for our church. We're going to start growing and reaching our community. It's going to be awesome. So that first thir- Sunday night, it was a 13-week study. That first Sunday night, the church was packed, Jason. We only had two sections of pews in that church. Maybe it was packed from front to back. And I started in, man, I was teaching. I had handouts that I was given. I, this is in the 80s, okay? So I had an overhead projector on the stage. Some of those people had never seen an overhead projector. One old guy said, is that of the devil? I mean, yeah. Had these transparencies I was throwing up on, on, the, on the white wall up there on the stage. Man, I was rolling and going and blowing. And about halfway through, I thought, Ron, I thought, something's wrong. It was, it was as if my words were just stopping right here and dropping off the stage and wasn't even reaching the people. I said, this is, this is not good. I ain't feeling no love. So I went home and I talked to Angie about it. Remember, we talked about that that night. Came back the second Sunday night. It was worse than the first one. Something's wrong here. We went into the third session. I was teaching on love, man. We got to love one another. We gotta, if we love one another, we go out and reach people and love them, bring them into the church. They'd be part of the family. God, it starts right here loving each other. It was worse than session two, worse than session one. So I stopped right in the middle of it. Again, I'm young, stupid, inexperienced. I said, church, something's wrong. I'm not feeling the love. What's going on here? Monday morning, that was Sunday night, Monday morning, a guy came to see me, a member of the church. He said, I don't know if this is the, the foundation of the problem we're having, but let me just tell you about this because you need to be aware of it. Anyway, we've got a couple of families in the church that don't like each other. He said, I, I'm just going to point them out to you, and you watch them, and you see if what I'm saying is not true. He said, they'll come in on Sunday morning. They'll sit on opposite sides of the sanctuary. They will not shake hands with one another. They will not greet one another. They won't even look each other in the eye. I said, you got to be kidding. He says, no, look, watch them Sunday. Watch them. So I had my eyes open, man. I, that, was back, that was back when the preacher actually sat on the stage during worship. And I was... I watched him before church, watched him after church, and he was right. He was right. Something was going on there. Again, I am young, inexperienced, and really stupid. So what did I do? I called them into my office. They got called into the pastor's office. They got really mad when they saw each other in my office. And I said, guys, I don't, I don't know what has happened here, but something is not right. Why won't you shake hands with one another? Why won't you greet one another? Where, where's the Christian love? And, and here's, here's the crazy thing. They couldn't even tell me what it was that divided them in the first place. It had happened so long ago, and it was so trivial, they couldn't even remember <laughs> what it was. 
look at me. We don't have time for that. You don't have time for that. This is not the place for that. God is not going to bless a church where that kind of nonsense is going on. God is not going to bless your home when husband and wife are feuding and fighting with each other. God is not going to bless your family when parents and kids can't get along with each other. If you got Jesus in you and Jesus is living in me, Jesus is not going to be fighting Jesus. Whew. I mean, this is a word we need to hear today, people. We tolerate and sometimes even encourage thoughtless attitudes in the way that we speak to each other. Now, this does not mean we never say anything hard or difficult to people we love. Proverbs 27, 6 reminds us, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Sometimes friends wound each other to bring healing. Just as a doctor must sometimes cut us surgically to remove what is killing us, friends sometimes have to say things that aren't easy for us to hear. But, but let me tell you how this works. Time out. Don't let me forget what I'm talking about because a thought just came to my mind here and I'm going to chase this rabbit. Years ago, I had a guy say to me, I have, I've got a New Year's resolution. I said, oh, okay, what is it? He says, Lord told me just whatever I'm feeling, I'm just going to say it. I said, okay, explain what you're talking about. He said, well, somebody says something to me, whatever I feel, emotion I feel, whatever I think, I'm just going to say it right back to them. I thought, okay. You tell me how this goes next year. I'm going to tell you, it didn't go good for him. Now, what was I saying? Friends, yeah, what about Friends. I'm just testing you guys to see if you know what I'm talking about. Here's how it goes. Friends, friends are only going to confront you after they have prayed about it and talked to the Lord about it. And after God has not only told them, you need to go, well, you need to go talk to Jason about, about what he's doing and how he's living because it's not right. But Will, before you go and talk to Jason about that, you need to take the telephone pole out of your own eye before you try to remove the speck of dust in his eye. That was free. I just kind of threw that in right there. Because when this vomit comes out of our mouth, we're grieving the Holy Spirit of God. Number three, the cause... We grieve the Spirit first by rotten speech and then secondly by evil attitudes. These two things are not separate. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever is in your heart must eventually come out through the words that we say. And we see this in verse 31. I'm going to read it out of the New American Standard Bible. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Th these wrong attitudes corrode the soul from the inside out. And here's the way it happens. 
Somebody says something to you that you're offended by. Somebody does something to you that is wrong. They sin against you. And instead of dealing with that and forgiving them, we just, we just let it grow inside of us. And that corrosion begins. And the first attitude that develops is bitterness. The Bible calls it a root of bitterness. And this bitterness just begins to grow in our... I see a lot of Christians who have branches of bitterness growing out of their ears. The, the word means pointed or sharp. It refers to the pain that we feel when sometimes we're mistreated. It, it speaks to a deep emotional reaction that keeps us from thinking clearly. And if we dwell in bitterness long enough, it is going to produce a wounded spirit inside of us. So when that root of bitterness starts growing, you need to whack it off, friend. Because if you don't whack it off, that bitterness is going to lead to wrath. A word that originally meant to snort. It has the ideal of nostrils that are flared out. Have you ever seen anybody get mad and they... Hmm. And their nostrils flare out. Yeah, you remember just the other night your spouse did that. You, you. We use the same image when we speak of someone being all steamed up with smoke coming out their ears. What's happened here? This, this root of bitterness has taken over and it's leading to wrath inside and it just boils up inside of us. Anger is the third word. It speaks of a settled condition of the heart. Bitterness leads to wrath, which builds anger on the inside of us. Some people are just angry people. They wake up angry. They eat breakfast angry. They go to work angry. They come home angry. They watch TV angry. They go to bed angry. <sighs> Nothing pleases a person like that. And let me tell you where anger can lead. Anger leads to jealousy and harsh words. Anger can lead to murder. Angry people usually express themselves in clamor. That's the fourth word. It means raising your voice and shouting. Why? Because this bitterness is built up through anger and you got to let it out so you yell. The, the fifth word is slander. It means to make false accusations against someone or attack them through vague insinuations. We can slander somebody with our words. We can slander somebody by, by raising our eyebrow. We, we can slander someone with an unfinished sentence or by quoting others but taking their words and twisting them with a sinister meaning. Slander was one of the sins that was used to crucify Jesus. They mocked Jesus. They lied about Jesus. They falsely accused Jesus. And when you slander somebody, you are joining those who crucified your Lord. Malice is the final word. It describes the underlining attitude of ill will towards somebody. A malicious person can't get along with anyone. What starts in the heart ends up on the lips. We think, we feel, and then we speak. What starts as a grievance becomes an outburst of wrath that hardens into anger, that leads to clamor and slander, and malice marks such a person through and through. Can I give you a little advice? 
You need to stop it early. You need to stop it when it starts. Otherwise, you're going to have to deal with it on down the road, and it's going to be a mess. That's why Proverbs 4.23 reminds us to guard our heart, for it is the wellspring of life. The Bible tells us to get rid of all these wrong attitudes. No root of bitterness, no symptoms of wrath, no trace of anger, no echo of clamor, no slime of slander, no dregs of malice. Because when we harbor these things, the Holy Spirit of God is weeping inside of us. So number four comes the cure. We need to replace those rotten attitudes with something a whole lot better. And verse 32 talks about that. Here's what Paul said in Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So somebody's offended you. They've sinned against you. They've hurt you to the core. And you're mad about it. You hate them for it. And instead of dealing with it, you allow bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander and malice rise up inside of you. And it is destroying you. Paul says nonsense. Look at me. Daddy King would say, we ain't got time for that. So you replace all of that rotten junk with something good. And what is the something good right here in verse 32? You be kind and compassionate to those people. They abused you. They sinned against you. They spoke falsely of you. But you don't do the same thing back to them. You be kind and compassionate to them. Kindness speaks of gentleness in the face of provocation. It reaches out to the unworthy and withholds punishment even when it's deserved. It is the oil that lubricates the machinery of your life. Compassion says, you know what, I don't care what you've done for me, I love you and I'm going to care for you and I'm not going to shut you out. Be kind and compassionate. Because that's what forgiveness is all about. Forgiveness starts with God, it comes down to us and then it goes through us to somebody else. Do you have that direction? It starts from God, comes down into us and then out to other people. We forgive as God has forgiven us. We are to extend grace to others as God has extended grace to us. We, the undeserving, having been showered with God's grace through the blood of Jesus Christ, give to other undeserving sinners who have sinned against us the same outpouring of God's grace. From us to others. Starts with God, comes to us, goes to others. We do for others what God has done for us. Say, oh, but preacher, I think I've heard that. Remind me, what, what has God done for us? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. He has removed our sin as far as the east is from the west. That right there will blow your mind. But it doesn't end there. He has put our sins behind his back. He throws them into the depth of the ocean. He remembers them no more. He blots them out. He cancels the debt that we owe. 
and he declares us not guilty. We have, according to Ephesians 1, 7, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. God forgives freely, instantly, and totally. So you tell me, why can't we do the same thing for other people? The message is simple and clear today. Go and do for others what Jesus has done for you. Here's the big promise for today. Forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people forgive people. But you say, I can't do that, preacher. You, you don't know what they did to me. <laughs> so you tell me, what, what if God treated you like you treat them? What, what if God were as unkind and unmerciful to you as you are to them? What, what if God kept a record of wrongdoing against you like you keep against them? Can I tell you something? If God did that, you couldn't make it a million miles from heaven. You'd never see the gates of glory. Well, preacher, I'm, I'm just going to trash talk them like they trash talk me. What if God said that about you? Here, maybe here's what we need to do. Maybe this morning we just need to come down to this old altar and have a heart-to-heart -heart talk with God. And then get up from this altar and go have a heart-to-heart -heart talk with that person that we've got a problem with. Whatever God tells you to do today, do it. Stop making the Holy Spirit weep because of your unkind words and your inner ugliness. Cry out to God for his help. Pray for a fresh vision of Jesus dying for you. You can do it. You can do it. Not long ago, I had this guy come to me, and, and he, he had a tear in his eye, and he said, he said Will, I've, I've got to apologize to you. I said, dude, what are you talking about? He said, I, I don't know if you remember this. It happened a long time ago, and, and he started describing it, and I vaguely remembered it. It was a long time ago. He said, I, sa I said this to you, to your face, in front of a lot of other people, and I was wrong in doing it. He said, I was trying to be funny, but it didn't come off funny at all. And God won't give me peace about it. I've, I've got to apologize to you. Let me tell you something. That was, that was huge. And, and as much as I appreciated his apology, you know what I know? I know that it set him free. <laughs> what, what had been keeping him in bondage so long, he was just set free. Because he did the right thing. Forgiven people forgive people. I'm going to go back to what Daddy King said. We don't have time for this. You don't have time for it. The devil is using that thing 
to destroy you. So let's deal with it today. Let's receive that big promise from God, His forgiveness. And then let's just start dishing it out. Come on. Heavenly Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that we would respond to you this morning, to to the gospel call of Jesus. The greatest gift, the greatest gift we can receive is the gift of forgiveness. The greatest promise that you have given is that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, Lord, help us to start with that this morning. For, for those of us who need to be forgiven, may we come and soak in your forgiveness today. May we be forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. If there is a person in this room who's never received the free gift of salvation, I pray that they would come and receive that salvation today. For those of us who have allowed sin into our life, may we come and, and receive your pardon, your grace, and your mercy today. And dear Lord, everybody in this room, I know without a doubt, every one of us in this room, we, we've got a troubled person in our life, somebody who has offended us, someone who has sinned against us. Maybe it was through something they said. Maybe it was through something they have done. They have, they have broken a trust. They have hurt us to the core. And for some reason, we just can't forgive them. Lord, open our eyes and our mind and our heart and let us see that that's the work of the devil. We need to forgive them. Lord, may we come today and have a heart-to-heart with you about that and then get up and go seek forgiveness. Allow forgiveness to happen. Lord, do what only you can do. I pray that you do it in our lives today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? Praise team is going to pray. Don't even hesitate. Don't wait. Just step out. Come on down here. You need to talk to God about what's going on in your life. So take advantage right now. Come on. Come to Jesus.
do worship you, Lord, the God of forgiveness. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, your long-suffering. Thank you for forgiving us. Dear Lord, help us to take this message to heart. Help us to forgive others. the same way you have forgiven us I pray dear Lord that everyone in this room could find that peace that passes all understanding through obedience help us to not grieve the Spirit of God who lives inside of us by what we do think or say and we'll praise you for it in Jesus name Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen, amen, amen. Isn't God good? Thank you. Amen. Give him a hand. You can do that. I certainly want to thank you for being here today and listening to my yelling and screaming. Oh, boy. If you're a church member, make sure you drop your offering in one of those black boxes in the back of the worship center. If you're a guest... Fill out that Connect card and uh, take it to our Connect counter right out these doors. We'll exchange it for a gift. You don't want to miss Wednesday night here at Kavanaugh. Uh, This Wednesday night, the youth are going to be in charge. Brother Nathan's going to bring all the teenagers in here. They're going to lead us in worship and uh, lead the service. Uh, We've got some young people who are preparing for a competition in the Free Will Baptist denomination. They're going to be sharing some Bible verses with you. It's going to be awesome. So pray about that and be here. Know, know this, that, uh, that God loves you and we love you. So go out and forgive somebody today, would you? We'll see you. God bless you.